Okay, thank you guys for um, this morning. Thank you for that prayer, Prophet LA. It is truly appreciated. I want to thank you all, and I'm excited to be continuing this series that um, God has given us. I'm going to use my good old PowerPoint, but in PDF form this morning. This just avoids any of the um, weirdness or trouble that we've experienced. I hope you can see. Can you see the screen? Okay, good, good, good. Welcome to the Scribal Conservatory. I always post this um, little disclaimer. You don't have to read it, and I'm not going to talk about it other than to say that I do my best to um, share with you what I believe that God has given us concerning Ephesians 4.11, but it's nothing that I think um, you probably don't know today, but we're going to be building on this teaching that we're doing, and we're going to take our time through it. It's going to last three weeks. We may not get through all the nine um, points or the nine things that we talked about in the announcement today, we may get to just cover one. But the idea here is that we are moving forward. I want to just give a brief overview of the Scribal Conservatory. We haven't done this in a while. But first, I want you to know that it is on the Conservatory website. So please check that. So I'm going to just go right to the four points. These are four pillars that we stand upon. And we conserve the following principles. And they are transforming nations, Romans 12 and 2, through the renewing of your mind, um, reinforcing covenant. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. You're going to see that where Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. Um, We talk about elevating Christ above men. We're going to hear a little bit about that today. What we do is these things are always in our messages. We don't even try. They just show up. (laughs) But, you know, Christ is worthy of greater honor than Moses. So you're going to hear that particular part a lot as we go through this teaching. And the last thing is increasing understanding. And all I have to say to you is just read Proverbs 2 verses 1 through 15, and it will change your life um, just on what is said. Someone said they can't see the slide. So I'm going to try again and see if I can make that happen so that you know what's going on. Hold on one second. I'm sorry about that inconvenience. Um, Let's see. Let's see if I can pull that up. So there's not, yeah, so we're going to talk about what is the apostolic office for real, for real. This is going to be done in three parts, but I think it's critical to the Scribal Conservatory Arts and Worship Center. I posted a video inside the um, Scribal Conservatory Bible study group that you're going to hear about later, because there are two teachings that I did in 2018, it's been that long, that really go before this teaching. One is on the breaking of seals, and you're going to need to listen to that one. And the other other one is on the foundation of the love of God, and we talk about Ahava. I have to put that one up there as well. I'm going to hit just a few of those points this morning, but I wanted to do this kind of different, and I really did not want to reteach those teachings. But um, right now, before we go into this, I want to ask you to do something for me. I want you to go ahead and write what you believe the apostolic office is. What is an apostle? What have you been taught? What do you believe? If, you can, if you've heard the teachings before, you can share what you have learned. But if you have not and you have your own concepts and ideas, 
I would really love for you to share what the Lord has um, revealed to you about this. And if someone can just make sure that I am um, as a, as a co-host or host that, you know, I came back in, but I want to make sure that I can access all the tools, you know, within the um, zoom. Yes, I'm here. I see everything, but I need you to do that. I don't want to um, move forward without hearing some of your thoughts. So this is gonna be going to be foundational to you. Yes, someone just wrote. Um, well, I know that's Prophet La. She just posted. No, what me? That wasn't you. So someone said uh, apostles are foundational. Um, love, pioneering, trailblazing. What are some things that you have heard? What are some things that you have heard about the apostolic office that you hold as true? Oh, that's Minister Sam. <laughs> now we have people within the conservatory who have never been taught in this area. And I count that as a blessing and a privilege to be able to um, be the first person to have introduced you to that. Um, so we have one person, they said here in my previous church, they did not to seem to believe in the apostle, even prophets of the modern day. However, I knew that was wrong, but as a young person, I did not feel comfortable speaking up, even though I was a teacher in the ministry. I understand that. And I, and I, I'm so glad that um, you kept moving forward and didn't push it because Sometimes people need the opportunity and the time to evolve. Um, but my former church, the church that I was a member of before I started the conservatory, uh, my pastor had only been operating in the prophetic a little while, up until just a few years before I got there, they didn't believe in it either. And so I was happy that by the time I came around, they at least knew about Holy Spirit, about the presence of God, about the prophetic how to release encouraging words and how to lay on hands as it relates to um, the, the ministry of healing, but they still did not know anything about um, the office of the apostle. I mean, they didn't teach on it. They, they even questioned what it was. So you have ministries that are still learning and journeying through their understanding of these things. So I want us to be aware of that as we talk about this and as we um, move forward, move forward. I, I would love to hear from some more of you. There's more than just two people in the chat. Um, if you are part of the conservatory, there's a, um, a request of you to go ahead and answer this question. Um, Apostle Pam, she wrote the life and message is a straight line. Absolutely it is, absolutely it is. Um, keep posting. I want to see some other things that you all have believed and things that you have been taught. Um, why is this important? Because a lot of us have been taught the ministry of the apostle based on people and what they do. That's why it's important. We've learned about what, like how many churches you plant, right? How many spiritual sons and daughters you have, right? We've been taught. I was taught that. I was taught that. So I really um, wanted to get some insight, not to criticize because that's not what this teaching is about, but for us to get some meat and bones around what we consider the apostle to be today 
in the church, especially now, especially now. Let's see. We have one person that says they edify and assist in the building of the other gifts of the fivefold. Apostle and prophets usually flow very close. Absolutely. They help set of ministries and ministry gifts for the body of Christ. Yes. Um, other person said, I've always, I've, I was always taught that apostles planted churches. I was taught that an apostle was a sent one. I was also told that the apostle touched all the other gifts and, and yes, church planting. Yes, um, they are different variations of apostles. That's true. They are builders of people and systems. Apostles different from apostolic. Absolutely, they are. We did an entire teaching on what is the apostolic that you got to listen to. Apostles are cornerstone gifts, foundational fullness. These are all true. I'm just loving this because this is what we're talking about today. But we also have to recognize that there are... um, some characteristics and some things about this gift that I think the Lord wants to release to us that are fresh and new and to help us be able to differentiate from, um, how can I say it, from people who are perpetrating that they are walking in the office and calling of the apostle in this hour. Now I'm on the slide that says today's message. So I just want you to follow with me. It has a blue background. And it says this, I want you to know that today's message is not about proving that we learned something wrong. It's not about dishonoring what we've been taught. It's not about pointing out leaders who teach error. Rather, it's about the new day of the apostolic that we are in. It's about preparing ourselves for what is before us, preparing ourselves for what is to come. It's about positioning our hearts and minds to discern, to define, apostolic nature of Christ. But in this instance, we're going to look at Christ as an apostle, Jesus Christ as an apostle. We're redefining the office of the apostle within our eternal intention. And we're restoring our understanding, purging our minds and spirits from limited, distorted, listen, self-grandizing entail. One of the things that seems to be saturating the visible um, elevation of this office and even office of the prophet is ability. And we talked about magic, right? And we talked about how magic is focused on ability, is focused on what you can do and how you do it. And that's one area of, of of that we have to look at when we talk about the prophetic and we talk about Um, the apostolic, because we have a generation of people moving into the realm of the magician versus the realm of ministry. And we always want to make sure that we are clear that performance is magic. It's it's about me self-grandizing. And so the truth of the matter is to be in, to be looking at Christ from the apostolic as an apostle He was the most humble example that we could ever expect in ministry. And we have to be able to examine that and examine his humility because his humility is not separate from the calling of the apostle. And you'll understand a little bit more about that today. We're also restoring our understanding of the office of the apostle. We're purging our minds and of our own grandiose ideas, not just what's happening around us. We're looking um, 
beyond the things that have limited and that have distorted us. I always tell you that when we're doing these teachings, it's not necessarily about everybody else, but I have some real good examples that I'm going to share with you, not today, but in the next teaching of what not to do and what it looks like when you have 100% flesh riding on the coattails of presence, trying to posture and make itself something before a holy God. We don't want to be in that place. I'm going to go back and look at your comments in the chat. Um, but for now, I want us to really grasp that we are the seal. We are the seal. And I want you to know that um, the apostolic office of the apostle, the emissary, is a part of what I like to call the, the ministry seals. I don't really use the term fivefold ministry because I believe that new day requires new language. It doesn't mean that that language is wrong or bad. I just know that a lot of young people that I am encountering, I'm having to use different language. And so I like to talk about it and use language that I believe God gives me that causes us to bear concepts. Does that make sense? So the, the use of the term, the five ministry seals within the conservatory, there's a concept behind it that leads us directly to scripture. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit also. But Ephesians 1.13 is our foundation. And we call this the sealed school of the ministry because the scripture tells us that we are all sealed in Holy Spirit. Now, when we're talking about the five ministry seals, of which the apostle is the first one, I always tell you, make sure you have read or will read the book of Ephesians afresh. A lot of my um, training and upbringing in the beginning was excellent teaching. People taught me, but they never had me read the book of Ephesians. I sat in a classroom and I just listened to them tell me what the offices were and what scriptures they had that related to it. They gave me the function of the apostle. They told me all the work of the apostle, but they never gave me the apostle's heart. They never gave me the apostle's mind. They were like, look at the authority in this person and look at how they dealt with this situation. All of those things were good, but a lot of times, the way people delivered their ministry really caused a lot of wounding, left bad tastes in my mouth. They went, well, that's just how an apostle is. Is that really true? Or are we looking at what people have become? And as conservators, I want you to be able to sit back and say, yes, I can see the potential there. I can see, but woo, do we need some smoothing out? Do we need some um, adjustments to be made? Do we need some shifts from the old covenant to the new covenant? So I want you to read the book of Ephesians. Begin reading now. It's not going to take you long to read because the entire book is about the Ephesians 4, 11 giftings, not just Ephesians 4, that chapter. Remember, this is a whole ladder. <laughs> we just have chapters and breaks because that's the way it's organized in our time, but this was an entire letter. And the context of the letter matters because what Paul was doing in Ephesus and among the people in the church in Ephesus that he founded was giving them an understanding of how to live the life 
of Christ inwardly, how to relate to one another outwardly, how to mature in their faith, and how the church was structured so they could be equipped in the way the Lord had, has designed. Now, some of the things that I'm sharing with you right now are not my ideas. Those are themes from the book of Ephesians that anyone would come up with that have studied the book. So it's not like I'm saying something revelatory and this is gonna be very plain, but I need it to be clear because of how we teach this particular um, aspect of the, of the gift and callings of Ephesians 4.11. It's so important to me that you read the book so that you have context. Read New King James Version. I'm recommending that because that's as close as we have right now to a word-for-word -word translation in our English language. It would read differently in Spanish, differently in Chinese, differently in other languages. The words are different. Some words that we have aren't even in the dictionaries of other people. So we have to always use a um, version of the Bible that gives us in English the best translation so we can go back and take it to the Hebrew and the Greek terms. So any language can take their language and take that language back to the Hebrew and Greek terms. So when we study, we have to study with that understanding because some of our words that are in English don't really mean what they mean in Greek or Hebrew. And we just run with it like they mean the same thing, but they don't. So I know I'm speaking to the choir on this, but this is important because I think a lot of things have been misunderstood. In the new covenant, we are sealed in Holy Spirit. This is not an old covenant grace. The apostolic office, the gift of the emissary is not an old covenant grace. It's a new covenant grace. We know we have types and shadows and that's beautiful. But always remember that the Jesus that we know today is the one who's living in us, not just hovering over us, not just filling us for a move, but one that has made residence here. That, you know, the Jesus Christ who died on the cross and was resurrected. So we need a new covenant perspective on the office of the apostle. I've heard people say things like Moses was an apostle. Moses might've been an apostle type, but he was not an apostle. Can you all agree? Can we just um, agree with that? The things that I've shared so far, because if we can't agree, we're gonna keep pulling Judaism and keep pulling the old wine into what God has made new. Oh my goodness. And we don't want to get stuck there. We don't want to get stuck there. We want to always be in a place where we're moving forward. Instead of teaching, of, of seeing people in the midst of this, we need to see and seek Christ in our hearing, seeing, and understanding of Ephesians 4.11. One of the things you will find in the book of Ephesians is that um, the apostle Paul, the emissary Paul, is constantly, 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 constantly redirecting the people of God back to Jesus. He's not saying things like, you don't want what I got because uh, you ain't been through what I've been through. You're not gonna get stuff like that. You're not gonna get, come stand here so I can blow this anointing on you. You're not gonna get ego. You're not gonna get self-aggrandizement. This is why we need to look at Jesus 
as the author and finisher of our faith. This is why we need to see him as the cornerstone, because while people have good intentions, they get in the way. I've gotten in the way. Don't be looking crazy. You know when you've gotten in the way when you've had an audience. It happens. But we have to mature to the point where it shouldn't happen, where we're not getting all of that weird stuff that people do in the midst of what God is trying to release to us. We have to be mature enough that we can separate wheat from um, the tares that are still being pulled out of us. You know, we have to be able to, um, I don't know, evolve, (laughs) you know, evolve. We have to be able to grow. And again, we change our language here to the five ministry seals versus the fivefold because it carries a different concept. So I'm not telling you, you have to do this. What I'm sharing with you is consider it. Consider why language needs to be different. God is not ruling by the fist in this generation. The fivefold fist that we were taught. He's, he's moving with the open hands of the cross. The open hands of the cross. And I'll show you that diagram at a later date. I love that diagram because it might be a picture of a cross that I'm using, but it is the outstretched hands that matters, that matters the most. Ministry is people. Listen, ministry is not activities or gifts. If you have a gift, there are gifts and callings that are irrevocable. If you have a gift, you can work a gift. We see people that can prophesy the house up and down, but they have no love. They're accurate, on point, but they don't have any grace in what they're saying. You know, we hear people lead powerfully as apostles, but they're cruel and mean. They rule with whips. Oh my goodness, God is with them. But but that, that file needs to be had on those nails. They need to be smoothed over. There needs to be a, a, a different, there needs to be a Christ likeness that emerges in great mercy and great grace. Oh my goodness. Listen, I have the potential to be a whole mess just based on my personality. But it takes God, God to break a person and bring them into where they want to be. So if you hear me talk about anything that is negative, just know that I was like a lot of the things that I'm gonna be talking about in this series before God entered in and showed me a better way. I was with God, he was with me, but there was no understanding. I was like who I was raised under. I took on more of the person than I did on Jesus. And that's the part where we talk about Christ over people. It's Christ-likeness. Um, you know, we hear things in scripture from, you know, from the apostles that say, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, and Jesus was plain. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. In other words, I am. And so are you. So we want to make sure that we're in that place. Ministry is people. What we have today are people looking at their gifts and saying, 
Because I have this gift, I am this and I am that. Because I am, listen, callings, we're, we're not even going to talk about the gifts in this teaching until the very end. We're not going to talk about it. if you do this or if you do that, because babies can identify sprouts. But it doesn't make the sprout a full grown anything that's ready for seed bearing. It doesn't make the plant ready to die and, and, and germinate again. Doesn't mean the seed in the ground is ready to burst forth and stuff. I mean, potential is not a calling. You can be loaded with gifts, full of potential, running all over the place, looking like you're doing something and be completely void of a stable vocation. One of the things that I've studied out extensively that we will be talking about is what is a vocation? Because the office of the apostle, the office of the emissary is a vocation. It's a full-time, I'm not talking about in the natural, I'm talking in the spirit. You don't, you can still work and be an apostle. <laughs> we know because Paul did. You know, we know because even Jesus was a carpenter. We, we know that you can hold the job and still be an apostle. So we're not talking about that. A vocation is an area of ministry where you know you have been called. And because the calling is constantly calling you, you can't rest. You can't do anything else because of the assignment, not the work of ministry, but the assignment. I gave you four pillars when we started this teaching. I'm going to go back and to demonstrate what I mean by vocation. And if any of you know me, you whether you follow the school of the scribe, whether you follow the um, scribal conservatory, these four pillars are in absolutely everything that I do. They, there's nothing that I do that doesn't touch these areas. When people ask me who I am, I don't have to tell them I'm the founder of the Scribal Conservatory. I just tell them right off the bat, I'm an immersive believer. What does that mean? It means that I have a heart for you to renew your mind. I have a heart for you to renew your mind by following the mediator of a better covenant. And while you're following the mediator of a better covenant, I want you to know that Christ is uh, uh, worthy of greater honor than Moses and that you have an inheritance of wisdom. The best thing that you have is the knowledge and the understanding of the spirit. That's how I know. Everything that I do runs from a vocation, a calling that does not shift and change by what I do on the outside. Does this make sense? Maturity is stable. So when you talk, remember when we talked about the apostolic, we talked about how the apostolic is eternal. It's an eternal release of the spirit. It operates out of eternity. The apostolic is not a movement. It's who God is. The apostolic is not a, a man. This sure is apostolic. No. How do you identify the apostolic? By eternal vision. 
because God is singularly focused on timelessness within his understanding of eternity. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So an apostle is going to be focused on what God is focused on, what Jesus is focused on, which is what is eternal. What is eternal? Eternity is in the apostle. They're looking at pictures that are bigger than anything that has to do with this earth in their mature places. They are stable. They're not trying to figure out, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. How can you be the foundation of anything in that state of mind? When you're in that state of mind, it means, oh, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm saying, now it's not unusual to have transitions in ministry and for God to shift us into different things. But when I'm looking for apostles, I'm like, what is your theme song? I knew that I, what Moses, I knew what Moses was called to do. One line, let my people go. Let me get them out of Egypt. Oh my goodness. Moses' pillars look like. So when we, I'm looking for, um, I want to go back to the. I want to go back to the first slide right here where I talked about the pillars. When you look at Abraham, he was the father of nations. If you look at his life and what he did during his life, you'll be able to see theme songs. So maturity is based on you knowing why you are here, knowing where you are going, knowing what God wants to accomplish. You might not be able to see everything as, as Apostle Prophet Andrea says, you may not be able to see all the moving parts because we don't need all the moving parts. We just need to know the vision. God brings us to the moving parts. Are we on the same page? We need stability in our gifting and in our calling. So I know I'm putting y'all all around these slides. I'm all over the place with these slides because of the um, situation at hand. Ministry is people, not activities. You can plant a thousand churches and be a fool. I'm not calling anybody that. I'm just saying, because in the Bible, that word in the new covenant and the old, it just means a person without wisdom. A person without wisdom. I've heard people say, I believe God called me as an emissary because of such and such and such, but you leave people. You start something and you never finish it. And you just shift to something else because you had a drink. But nothing was ever completed in the first drink or the second or the third or the fourth. Everything was half done. I have never seen God leave anything incomplete concerning his people. You can be loaded with gifts, full of potential, running over with activity and be void of vocation. Every apostle had a vocation. Oh my goodness. And they were stable. 
by the time they began walking out the fullness of their calling. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. We are sealed in Holy Spirit. We are sealed. Listen, um, this is just the beginning. We haven't begun to scratch the surfaces of this, but I want to deal with the maturity part first. You can't be an apostle with no people. I'm not talking a church building. I'm not talking an organization, although those things can be a part of it. Who are you equipping that are in your sphere and your range of influence? Because there are so many different apostolic types, we can't pigeonhole people into operating a certain way, especially in the day that we are in now. We kind of have to see what's shaking out. But I tell you, there are some foundations, some indisputable foundations that will exist in every apostolic place that will take people's ability to claim activity as a reason why they feel that they are called. We're going to strip people of works in this teaching. We're going to strip them of activity, of feeling like they something. And we're going to get to the core of what that looks like. Because, look, I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether people call me apostle or not. I'm way over that. I know who I am. And um, I thank God that I, I, five minutes with people and their whole life changes. Testimony after testimony of certain things happening. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So we need to find a place of agreement. And I want to encourage you to study our vocation through the scriptures, through history, through time, so that you'll know the difference for, of people in vocation and people with ministries um, that are just different ministries that are very, very needed. Um, people who are in helps, but vocation is something completely different. And we're going to do an entire, entire teaching on that just from the life of Jesus. I love doing things just from Jesus's life because you can't lie on him. He is who he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's not just for salvation that we go that way, that he is the only way. He's the only way for your calling. He's the only way for your ministry. He's the only way for your marriage. He's the only way for your maturity. It's not, we don't stop that salvation. The, the life, the life, the life. Oh my goodness. Scripture tells us we have everything we need for life and godliness. He used the part of that for us. Oh, it doesn't stop there. Let's look at Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Um, I'm going to read this. I'm so glad I copied all of our passages so I don't have to go online and try to figure out how to navigate um, the Bible site that I like to use. So I just want you to hear this. We're not talking about Paul, but we're using the revelation he gave us in our infallible word, because I believe the word of God is infallible. I believe every word is true. 
how we apply it for our time is what we need to look at um, today. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Isn't that powerful? By the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus. Apostles are called to a people. If you cannot define your people, if you don't know who your people are, you're probably still in transition in that place or you're misnamed. We're not called to everybody. We're just not. <laughs> I mean, my God. Some people don't like the sound of my voice. So they're going to go to somebody whose voice they can tolerate. That's true for all of us. Y'all know what that be like. <laughs> you know, they're called to a people. So here we go. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for our adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Whoa, he's shifting us already in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to the pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I want to make sure uh, all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, not Moses, right? Not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob. We thank God for them, but they were regular men, right? I love how Paul in the middle of Ephesus, Ephesus, here he is talking to the church at Ephesians and he's saying to a whole bunch of people who never knew that there was a God or that Jesus had come. And he's also speaking to people who were familiar with Jewish tradition and he's clarifying, we're not talking about tradition right now. We're not referencing the old and our understanding of who Jesus is. We're in a new day. We're in a new place. And this long letter he wrote to them concerning that. In him, we were also chosen, verse 11, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were first put, who were first to put our hope in Christ, meaning they're real pioneers. This had never happened before. This church, was the first partaker, one of the first partakers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So these are really pioneers. They're pioneering in ways that we never will. Are we understanding? They are the true pioneers. If we're claiming we're pioneers, I know for me, I'm pioneering in scribal ministry. 
I'm pioneering and redefining Ephesians 4.11 ministry and helping people be immersed. Why am I sharing this with you? Because if you claim you are an apostle, where is the development of that immersive place? I see people pulling arrows and putting pictures on their page all the time. But when you're looking at their pages, you go start listening to their message. They're more like this than this. Listen, I can be comical, relax. But we need to help one another. We need to know where to shoot the arrow, right? We need to know what the target is. It's not just random anyone. Every apostle knew their position. Unwaveringly. You know, before the resurrection, they weren't too sure of anything. But after the resurrection, something happened. Every apostolic office has a resurrection. There comes a point. I don't do cave season. I call it a resurrection. Caves belong to the old covenant. There were no caves in the new covenant. Look, as dry as my son said, back it up, Charlotte. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, there we just have to move forward. In the new covenant, there are hiding places. There are places of rest. We go into the secret place and pray. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had his first resurrection. internally before he could ever walk out the fullness and the final steps of his apostolic ministry. I have met my turning point. If you haven't, listen, I just have to say to you, you will know when you do. You'll know it because there is nothing in your life like it. It's so defining, you literally become a different person. The Peter before the resurrection became the rock after the resurrection. Oh my God. Oh my God. We have to understand this. The foundation of the church is built on the apostles and prophets. The last great prophet was, as a, in a human form, was John E. Mercer. Look at the most of the foundation. He's the greatest prophet to ever walk the earth in human form in the time of Jesus. Jesus actually became the last Old Testament prophet. Because his resurrection made him the new. He took all people out of the midst of that by positioning himself. Johnny Mercer had the transition. Oh my goodness. In him, we are also chosen, having predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, 
who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Oh my God. For the praise of his glory. See, the letter to Ephesus, the church at Ephesus begins with, and we all know what happened to Ephesus in Revelation 1, you know, with the church, the seven churches. We'll go there next week. But anyway, we have this and it says, that, you know, it says that in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. If they were the first, then we are to follow that pattern that we're moving for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, listen, you were marked in him with the seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Listen, every Ephesians 4.11 seal, we have many seals, many types of seals. I love the difference when we taught on seals versus mantles. And, you know, mantles are, well, we won't go through that. Listen to the teaching. Listen to the teaching. But a seal is a point of revelation. It's a point. What do I mean by that? We had a deposit, right? On the day we had salvation and we're sealed in the spirit. Your spiritual maturity and your growth is you walking from one revelation to the next. Can you see it? Can you see it? I promise I'm not going to hold you long. But I want you to really, really see that when we talk about seals, we are moving from one profound revelation of who Christ is in us for the hope of glory to the next revelation. People who do not mature lack revelation. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oh my God. If you want, if listen, sin is not sing to a person until they can be convicted. So you telling me it's a sin will not help me unless there is a revelation. And when there is a revelation, the seal is broken. Oh my God. And you move to the next place. People get stuck because they hold on to daily bread. It's not wrong holding on to daily bread. Daily bread is just not sufficient for a journey of maturity. One of the roles of an apostle is to bring you into revelation, not weird dreams. I'm not talking about that. Stuff you hear that make absolutely no sense. I'm talking about the revealing of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus was a revelator. The first thing he ever did was not prophesy. 
he sat on her with the sermon on the mount. He sat foundations. How are you going to be an apostle and you have no foundation? I'll never forget one day um, um, when I, I, I didn't know what was going on, what I was doing. All I knew was that I couldn't shake the assignment God had given me about the ministry of the scribe. I feel like that about the conservatory now, which is the elevation of all of those years of work. And I remember the, 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 him saying, he said, listen, you have a foundation. This was Apostle Prude. He said, listen to me. I know nobody's ever told you this, but what you are doing is foundational. And this is the moment that I learned that there were all kinds of apostles sent ones, emissaries, because see, people would have you think you got to have a pulpit, but God was preparing me for the 21st century. I am a turn of the century believer. God gave birth to me in 2000. There are a lot of unusual people that were born that year by the spirit. It's so ironic how many of them I come into. But that's another story. That's a prophetic conversation. But we're here in this place. And everything that I've done since then, foundation, foundation, higher, 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 higher. It's never been flatlined. Just swinging along on the same slope. That's never been my life. In Jesus. I'm giving you some signs right now, even though I said I wasn't. But when people claim that they are pioneers, when they claim that there will be a stability, <laughs> there will be. And there will be. They, they won't, even though the assignment might switch up, like I used to do poetry. God took me through that evangelistic phase. I used to be an assistant pastor. He took me through that. Pastor the church. He took me through that. But listen, I'm going to go right back to it. None of these things changed along the way. Not one. Foundations don't change. And when you identify the work, those foundations are always built into the work in the apostolic office. I'm not talking about all the other offices. I'm talking about this one. If you're not that yet and you know God has called you, give it time. People don't know. They get mad when you tell them they need, you need to be consistent. It's amazing how you talk to people about their calling and about these things, and they're just things that don't add up. Miss and Amy, you know, I know people use um, the term apostle to mean a leader in their church. I know there's local ministry assignments. So please know that I'm not talking about being called an elder and you're really a prophet. That We know how those designations work because of the order of those places. So we're not talking about titles for functional purpose. I'm talking the core of your life beyond any institution. 
Are you with me on that? Because I served in church and I was a deaconess. Grinded my teeth the whole time. But that was, you know, I'm just saying. But that's where I was. So I submitted to that because that's where I was serving. But they knew who I was. So don't get caught up in things like that. You can, you know, you can have lots of things, but in an organization, there has to be leadership order. So we're not talking about that part of it. Whatever ministry you're a part of, whatever organization you've hooked up with and they call you something that you're not, don't get bent out of shape. That's just the order of how they um, structure that place. You can still be who you are, but you need to know who you are. Right? Just serve. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we get back here and we hear this and we see that this seal, a seal is broken. Mantles and seals are different. Some of this stuff people teach me, teaching on mantles have me afraid and fearful. Because they're so focused on people catching what they believe they have. And what they can give instead of what a mantle really is, which is what God releases. Right? When people teach flesh, we don't know it because we don't know the word. I don't want your mantle. (laughs) I want what God has for me. And I tell you all, you all, some of you know you have have my, um, a release for me, an impartation. It's obvious. But we're not Elijah and Elisha. (laughs) We thank God for them. But Jesus does it differently. And don't be upset when I say that. Study it out. We're under Jesus. Now we can use Elijah and Elisha as, as examples of impartation, but their pattern is not sufficient. One, I don't know where the scripture is. I, if you guys find it, post it in the chat. But there's a passage where the apostles were with Jesus and the scripture says he breathed on them and they received the spirit. I believe that when people are drawn together in ministries and groups like this is because they were destined to be together. That they all have something that connects them. Does that make sense? And what we're actually doing in communities like this is connecting what Apostle Pam has, what Minister Chiquita has, what Prophet Andrea has. And as we all rise to the same level, as the scripture says, as we all come into the unity of the faith within the company, because they were in the church of Ephesus. So they were looking at coming into agreement in that place. Oh my goodness, what is it when you're in a company and everybody in the company is fulfilling their role and their part exactly like it was intended? Everyone in their proper ranking in mature places. That's what Ephesians 4 is talking about. But if you don't know that there's a people for you, how can you get there? Formation is a huge part of the apostolic office. 
I've told some of you that it's just a matter of time before God shifts you. I can tell by the work of the ministry. The work, not you in your head thinking there's a work. But, oh my gosh, you were marked with him. Some scripture says stamped. Some scripture says use other words, you know, but it's all stamped. It's all marked. It's all ownership. It's all authority. When you believe you were placed under the authority of the Holy Spirit with the seal, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We're going to the next slide. We are sealed. Um, again, I want to remind you to please listen to that teaching inside the um, scribal conservatory Bible study group. It's called Breaking Seals. And I think I talk about the difference between seals and mantles in there in a way that you can study it out in scripture. Not just me giving you something I heard by the spirit, but I love leading people back to the word. We're scripture heavy in the scribal conservatory. You can't grow without reading the word because the word washes even if you are not aware. I had a person with me one time that were like, God didn't tell me to read that. I was like, what? It's always appropriate to read the Bible. <laughs> and they just kind of looked at me. And I just kind of looked at them. And I realized that I had to step away from that. It's always okay. You don't have to be led what to read. Read anything. It's always okay. You're reading about Jesus. <laughs> Again, and afresh. Hebrews 3, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Oh my God, there's Paul again. Let me remind you, this is the only place in scripture where we see a Jesus actually referred to as an apostle. But we know through correlations and through studying the language that the terminology of the cornerstone him being the author and finisher of the faith, the firstborn of all creation. You know, we, we know that by default and by study that it is implied throughout scripture. But we need to hear this. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. His only alliance was to the father. We have alliances, the cliques, to schools of thought, to books people write that, that, that with stuff in it ain't nowhere in the Bible by concept, idea, or common sense. But here we are. Jesus said, anything you ask in my name, but I'll do it. But you got 50,000 people now believing they got to go to court. We forget that even the apostles may have had things that were not, not quite clear when they were teaching. That's why we have to read the word because some of their old thinking showed up in those scriptures. And I, I, I am a believer and I was taught this in seminary when I got my master's in divinity. I was taught that you need to find it witnessed 
three times or more in scripture for you can make it a doctrine. So before you can nail it in as something that is sure. And I was amazed by that. That's not just something we get from people in study, but it's, a, it's, a, it's from people who study who found patterns and parallels that are undeniable. Are we good? I know, I know I'm still a little long, but we had some trouble earlier. I think we're about 45 minutes in. Are you guys with me? Have I lost everybody? I just wanna walk with you through this, through this. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. I tell you all, all the time, don't take anything I tell you at face value. Go back and study it. I love my mentor, but I study everything she say. If I'm not too sure about something, it's going to sit there until God speaks to me or it just pops off one day as truth. You know, I don't have to get mad. You know, I have to do like, you know, I used to. Well, that ain't in my spirit because you haven't arrived in that place yet, Teresa. Wait, one day you're going to get there. And now when I did get there, I had to go back and repent to everybody that I led because I taught them wrong. Don't mind doing that. We only know what we know when where we are, where we are. But we want to continuously break seals. What's the next seal that I can break? Because maturity depends on revelation. Revelation. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. But Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Oh my God. So, whatever people are teaching me, it is my responsibility to make sure that I'm honoring Jesus. Apostles honor. Jesus Christ. Oh, they honor his teachings. I heard someone say, we don't really need the Bible because we live by revelation. I heard an apostle teach this. Not even understanding that Jesus is the revelation of the word. He's the word made flesh. That he's living on the inside. The word, the written word is never void. Then they come in with all these conspiracy theories about who wrote the Bible. I'm like, this just sit down because anybody who translates the Bible are going to have words that are different. Hold on to your King James, even though that was 400 years ago. Those words they used in that Bible are non-existent. The meaning has shifted and changed. That's like a foreign language. To many of us. You know, I'm not saying people can't get revelation from it. I'm just saying we need to be more open to how things are different based on what we read and how we constantly need to be in a place of learning, considering, study of the word. Those Dead Sea Scrolls did us in when those legal documents were unearthed and those pieces of manuscripts found. 
All the words we thought we knew were mistranslated in that Bible. But, you know, for some people, that's another thing the devil has done <laughs> when it's just human error. People operating on what they know. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as the servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house and we are his house. Oh my God. So listen, if, let me finish reading. If indeed we hold firm to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Let's go back. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. Then it tells us, and we are his house. So that means the builder is greater than us. What we think, how we feel, what we're doing. The apostolic office protects this. This is the foundation. The apostolic office understands that the builder of the house is what everything is set around. The builder of the house, not men placing themselves in the spot of builder. That's why Jesus said that though he was like God, he did not count himself as equal to God because he understood that God was the builder of the house. We have forgotten who built us. The apostle preserves the foundation. We're foundation because we understand the preservation of the builder. Not because we have some deep revelation. And we wrote a book and everybody should buy it. God built us. Oh, that's what the cornerstone is all about. Um, we're concluding with this part and we'll continue part two. So I want I have to read this up at least until um, verse 14. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, all the chapters up to this point, all the chapters, all the chapters up to this point has been about righteousness and holiness and um, living for God and recognizing that he is the builder. Don't elevate yourself higher than God. Be humble. This is the character you walk in. All it precedes this. Now look at this though. This is the part. 
So he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humbled and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. What? Bearing with one another in ahava, covenant love, which is a teaching that you have to listen to on your own. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is what's preceding the apostolic. I want you to see this. Look at what precedes the posture of the offices. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Jesus did this between Gethsemane and giving up the ghost. He kept the bond of peace within and he kept the bond of peace that is eternal. That's why he said, my peace I give to you. Not that peace we're talking about we have after we cut somebody out. Not that peace. We're talking about the kind of peace that surpasses human understanding. If you've ever had a day you thought you were going to die. And you found yourself calm when you should have been running around like you were out of your mind. That's that kind of peace that Jesus is talking about. Because you cannot give yourself that. You can't. You can't give yourself that. Listen, listen, listen. I love this. I love this. There's one body and one spirit. In other words, there's one body and one spirit with a higher level of thinking. The mind of Christ. Oh, we talked about the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is the apostolic. It's the apostolic mind. It's not, let me put this on because I might cuss you out. Not that. We're talking about living from a place where you think apostolically. That's where this one body and one unit of one place of unity comes in in the spirit. Just as you were called to one hope. One Lord, one faith, and one immersion. Oh my goodness. One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Oh my God. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. The office of the apostle is a gift of Jesus Christ. Those gifts belong to Jesus. We heard it in Hebrews. Now we're hearing it in Ephesians 4. And it's all through the scriptures. It doesn't belong to God gave, God, God gave Jesus authority to govern us in the earth. And Jesus gave us himself in the earth realm. Remember I mentioned to you that we are temples of Holy Spirit. And we just read the previous scripture that we are the house where Jesus resides. Then I just mentioned to you that we are sealed in Holy Spirit. So we receive the spirit and we also know that the father and the son are one, which is crazy sometimes when you see people confused about the father, the son and the Holy Spirit because that's so cool. That's together. Separate from God, are separate from Jesus, 
So if we have Jesus in us, the whole triune is there. Are you understanding? You got the whole band. The whole, not, not, I mean, we teach some weird things. Holy Spirit isn't over here and Jesus down the street. They're all one. So the Holy Spirit is there. The Father and the Son. Oh my God, three bad witness, the water, the spirit, and the blood. Oh. He descended as the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Jesus wanted to make sure we had access to all things. He said, if I do not go, the comforter cannot come. So he had to make this final ascension. But he did it. First, he released to us what? Himself. Then we get him. There's a lot of business to take care of. He releases the spirit. He releases the gifts. And this is the important part here. He gave us himself. The office of the apostle is a facet of who he is in the earth. Every Ephesians 4.11 gift is a revelation of Jesus Christ given to us for our portion and fulfilling and continuing the work of the kingdom. But the foundation of that gift is first the apostle, and that's all we're going to talk about. And scripture tells us first the apostles, then the prophets. Why is that? Because the first mandate, the first foundation, the most critical part of the kingdom was his doctrine. The gospel of Jesus Christ. If there is an apostle who does not teach the gospel, regardless of what type of apostle they are, something is wrong. Twisted, misaligned, confused, or misnamed. Some foundation is foundation. You can't decide what foundation is. If you walk through the school of the scribe, you're going to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are a part of the conservatory, it's not void of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of these people who, like Paul said, have letters from other people who are big people in their eyes. They claim they're apostles, but if they have not taught you the gospel that the true apostles preach, you're in trouble. So before we build institutions, before we go through the process of planting churches and, and doing miracle signs and wonders, and before we look good and have a thousand, two thousand, fifty thousand, and sons before any of that happens 
there must be a foundation. Oh my God. Core area number one. Where is the foundation of Jesus Christ? Where is the stability? Where is the prophetic vision for eternity? For what is eternal? Listen, let me make it easy for you. I teach the ministry of the scribe. But in everything that I teach in the ministry of the scribe, everybody understands this. What is eternal? Why is this important? What's the purpose of it? Are you with me? Because all the gifts in the world doesn't erase why we're here. Foundation has to be foundation. I, I remember I told you guys a long time ago that um, I was ordained too soon. And um, I didn't feel right at my ordination, the first one. I've been ordained many times, different things. But I was a ordained prophet. And um, people still call me that. And I understand why, because I do have very strong prophetic gift. But truly, people who know me now can see the elevation. They can see the seals have broken. 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 And I'm not who I used to be. I'll never forget before my brother passed, he said, man, I thought when you told me you were saved, you were joking. I was waiting for us to go to the club. <laughs> and I said, bro, I have no desire to do that anymore. I, it's just not in me. It's not in me. It's not in my heart. It's not in my mind. It's not in my will. Because I broke the seal. See, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Most of us are still chasing deliverance ministers. But resistance pushes us in the place of breaking seals. No man can be tempted except by the lure of his own flesh. We forget those scriptures. We can have ministers that pray for us and fortify us but I don't try to help anybody get free that I'm putting in the work for themselves because they'll be worse off for it if I do. For me, I can't really pray people in healing lines. I mean, I can pray a generic prayer, but the Lord likes for me to identify the broken, the people who are ready for the next level. And I beeline to them without even knowing it, but that's the spirit. From my understanding, I'm not special. My understanding has, has been, the seal has been broken. Sometimes resistance in a trial is not going to change the trial, but it will change you. Jesus's circumstances did not shift, but when he came out of Gethsemane, he had descended before he went to the cross. In this world that we are living in, we need apostles because apostles help us resist and ascend. They help us break seals that hold back maturity. 
How can I say that? Ephesians 4, 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets. I'm going to use the correct term. So Christ himself gave them emissaries, prophets, proclaimers, and shepherds, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up by God so that we may break seals until we all reach a level of maturity that we understand what is eternal and what is God's eternal intention. This world may never change. We may never get the right person in office here in the United States, but there's a mindset that we can break within ourselves that take us beyond caring. <laughs> not because we're not in tune with the spirit, but because we have tapped into what is eternal and what matters versus what's going to burn up and be left behind on that day. Let's go on. And in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the mind of Christ, the fullness of Christ, as we've already set in this series of teaching, we must understand full measure, fullness of Christ as the apostolic mind of Christ that exists in eternity. It's not just behavior modification which is really what the church focuses on 99% of the time. I would rather you be your whole sinful self than try to change because I said you should. Because without revelation, the people perish. Oh my God. Listen, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Go on. If, if it was all about the gifts so that you can go and build churches so you can get a platform so you can prophesy to everybody in the line so that you can get rich quick so that you can write books. Ain't nothing like that in my Bible. Those things are wonderful, but they're not everlasting. Those things are tools. God may have called you to gather 100,000 believers and prophesy into their lives. But it's only impactful if you understand foundation. The apostles help keep the church steady and stable. If you have an apostle in your life and they're not calling you into accountability and maturity, then you're suffering. There are people who will suffer 30 and 40 years and with the same issue because they were never taught or conditioned to mature. The apostolic office is there where you say, put do the tiny violin down, please. That situation is not going to change. I'm going to be very transparent. I grew up in a ministry where I've been waiting on a miracle for my, I have been waiting on a miracle for my son who has some disabilities, serious ones, 
for years. Until one day I realized I could be depressed about something that's not going to change for the rest of my life. Or I can live in faith and I can break a seal in my life that takes me beyond that thought process where I can adapt to a new life and learn to thrive in it. I had to let my kids go. Sometimes I think they're here to embarrass us. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. Until one day I broke a seal and came into the house. Nothing made me to lose sleep and worry day in and day out. Doesn't mean I don't worry, doesn't mean I don't care, but it had no control over my life. Oh my God, breaking seals. But the apostolic, when it's in the life of an apostle, because you can't be an apostle without the mind of God. Are you following me? Every day, I'm not saying I have the mind of God perfect, but every day I understand that my thinking has to come up. There's a seal that I still need to break in the financial realm, right? Apostles deal with your foundations. You're not, you have a poverty mindset. So that apostle going to chisel that until you either get mad and leave or it breaks. You whine all the time. You're either going to pull up your pants like Job in the press. So we, we exchange mean and heart to apostolic and loving because the love of God is the fuel for the apostolic, not the weakness of it. When we understand ministry as people, it's for the love of God and the love of people that we go. When you see true apostles get upset with people's behavior, it's not because they're mad at what you did. They're angry because you didn't ascend. You couldn't resist. How can I get you to love and cling immersively to the foundations? Oh my goodness. Father, we just thank you for the teaching on today. We thank you for understanding. We thank you for baby steps and relearning. We thank you, Father, for seeing the apostolic through lifestyle, for seeing the, the apostle through the apostle's lifestyle, through the apostle's thought process and relationship with Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that we are willing and ready to understand who the emissary is by looking at the emissary of emissaries, the Lord of Lord and the kings of kings. And Father, we decree and declare that we won't be afraid because if, if apostolic ministry and the mind of an apostle are indeed what you say they are, then we are willing to risk relationships, connections. We are willing to risk popularity and platforms for the truth to go forth. If we are truly pioneering as apostles in this realm, then the pioneering is in breaking seals. 
turning things around, where we're not looking at the work of our hands. Because what we need, the faith that takes us into the higher realm. Father, I just pray over those Lord, that has been misnamed, that are um, calling themselves apostles or been told they are apostles. And this may not be who they are. They may not even be a fivefold or as the world calls it, or as the church calls it, or, or in Ephesians 11, ministry gift. They may not be a seal in that place. What we want is to be effective and efficient wherever you have called us. I, for one, did not want this. But I do want you, God. For those who say that, I don't want this. I never wanted to be this. I don't. But if you said yes to them, God, then I pray that we want what you want. Not for any grandiose status, not for any demand in the realm of the spirit, but just so we can be who we were ordained to be before the foundations of the world. So that we can be who you have called us to be, God. For the time in which we live. Father, I just thank you that there's nothing from this teaching today that will be misunderstood. But that they will go back and study, Lord, and see if what has been shared with them has have any truth. And Father, I pray that those things that did resonate with them, that did bridge buildings, Lord, continue to break seals in their lives in Jesus' name. And Father, I just agree with you for your intention. We don't know everything, but that that we do know, we thank you for right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Continue your work. Let us not resist you. Let us change according to your pattern. Um, Yesterday is gone. All I have is right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you all. Bless you all. Thank you for your patience today. Thank you for enduring the technical difficulties. Um, 